Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. On your mark. Set. Who gets the start? Appraiser Price gets the start. Don't you think this whole runoff thing would be a lot easier if it were like a literal runoff foot race? Uh, it would certainly make the results a, a little bit uh, cleaner and uh, more straightforward. <laughs> I guess your job would only be like 10 minutes long in total. But I guess with with like Biden and, and Trump coming and campaigning, it's more like a relay race or something. <laughs> yeah, everyone's everyone's involved. About a month away from the biggest Senate runoffs we've ever seen around here. Vice President Mike Pence visiting Atlanta and Savannah. The president due in Valdosta tomorrow as they try to help Senators David Perdue and Kelly Leffler. Well, this is going to buy President and presumptive president-elect Joe Biden is hitting the campaign trail in Georgia to stump for a pair of Democrats who are in the middle of two critical Senate runoffs. Right now, early voting is underway in Georgia's U.S. Senate runoffs, and all eyes are on our state as the balance of power in Washington is at stake. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch, and today, unfortunately, they are not foot raises, but they are important. And early voting is underway. So we got James Arkin with an update on the Senate runoffs that could decide the fate of national politics next year. It's safe to say that the Senate and in many ways uh, the potential success of the Biden administration are at stake in Georgia on January 5th. So Republicans right now as it stands have a 50 to 48 advantage in the Senate that will come into play at the uh, start of the new Congress. And so that 50 to 48 means that with these two Georgia races outstanding, if Democrats were to have success in both runoffs, they would have a 50-50 Senate and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris would be the one breaking ties. And so Democrats have a last minute shot at doing what they were not able to do in November, which is flipping the Senate majority. On the flip side for Republicans, they are staring at the possibility of having the Senate or the possibility of being in the minority in the Senate and the House without the White House. Uh, and so it's it's pretty safe to say that there is an enormous amount on the line. Uh, the two races, uh, you have Republican Senators Kelly Loeffler. President Trump created the strongest economy because he put the American worker first. Who was appointed to fill the seat of former Senator Johnny Isaacson, who resigned at the end of 2019. He stood up to the cancel culture, China, big tech, the fake news. We are standing strong for President Trump because he's fought for us every single day. And you have David Perdue, who was first elected in 2014 and is running for a full second term. I want to say something personal for President Trump. God bless you. We love you, Mr. President. We love the First Lady. And we're going to fight and win those two seats and make sure you get a fair, square deal in the state of Georgia. God bless you, Mr. President. And then on the Democratic side, you have John Ossoff. We are invigorated in Georgia by this recent victory in the presidential race. But we also recognize that in order for us to recover from this pandemic and in order for us to enact a policy program that will help people, we need to be able to govern. And that comes down to these two races here in Georgia. I mean, and Ossoff is challenging Purdue for the full Senate term. And then you have Raphael Warnock, who is a pastor. And so I'm running because I love this country. Because I believe in my bones and in my gut and in my heart. I believe in the American story. He is the senior pastor at the Ebenezer Baptist Church, the spiritual home of Martin Luther King in Atlanta. And I believe in the American covenant, which is 
so urgent that we reclaim in this moment, e pluribus unum, out of many, one. And uh, he's running against Leffler in his first political race of his life. And uh, the winner of that seat will finish off Isaacson's term and will have to run again in 2022 for a full six-year term. You've been reporting on the ground in Georgia for the past few weeks. What are you hearing from actual Georgia voters there? So I'll, I'll start on the Republican side. Um, obviously, there's sort of a, a civil war that's going on within the Republican Party right now where you have uh, President Trump uh, attacking both the Secretary of State and the governor of Georgia, both Republicans. Meanwhile, President Trump continuing his attack on Governor Kemp for not holding a special legislative session over the election. He tweeted at Kemp along with other GOP leaders saying they will, quote, be solely responsible for the potential loss of our two great senators from Georgia. Uh, they have pushed back and, and said that there's nothing that they can do, that the election was fairly run, that there's no widespread evidence of fraud. And that has created a, a large rift. And Georgia voters, I, I was at President Trump's rally in Valdosta, which is near the Florida-Georgia border. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. No, we won a lot of places. We won Florida. We won Ohio. Big, big. We won them big. Remember, we were going to lose Florida, they said. Nearly every voter that I talked to, in fact, I, I believe every voter that I talked to, did not believe that Joe Biden won Georgia. They believe President Trump's false claims of voter fraud. Uh, they believe that Joe Biden will not be sworn into office in January. And so they are very much siding with President Trump on that. And that creates a motivational problem for Republicans. So they are basically, on the one hand, arguing that the past election was fraudulent. And on the other hand, arguing that their voters should come out in force and vote again on January 5th for these two Senate races. Uh, but talking to the voters, I, I sensed, uh, you know, that they were all ready to come back out and vote again, um, that, that they all knew the stakes, they understood that regardless of what happened in the presidential race, that, that these two Senate seats represent the Senate majority for Republicans. And so they were very motivated. They repeatedly told me that despite their frustrations and even despite some of these voters saying that they didn't think Purdue and Leffler were doing enough to support President Trump, uh, they were still going to come out and vote. Now, on the Democratic side, you have, uh, I think, motivation for an entire different reason, which is We've gone several cycles now where, where Democrats were sort of on the precipice in Georgia and they were saying Georgia needs to be taken seriously as a battleground state. It's a state that Democrats can compete in. Um, it is changing demographically in their favor. Uh, you know, the, the party uh, coalition was changing. Uh, the party infrastructure was changing. And yet they kept falling short. They, they fell short in 2016. They fell short in 2018 with Stacey Abrams' narrow loss for governor. And Joe Biden's win in Georgia represented a breakthrough, uh, sort of a, a finally moment for Democrats where he said it's not just theoretical anymore. Democrats can win Georgia. And so now what's on the line is proving that that was not just a Joe Biden thing, but that that's Democrats are able to win Georgia. But also it's, it's essentially the message from Democrats is we want to finish the job. Um, we, we recognize that Joe Biden got put over the top in Georgia. And now this is an opportunity for Democrats to prove that that wasn't, you know, a one off, but but that their organization and all the things that the party has done to change its status in the state over the last three or four election cycles can help win races more than just this presidential race. So there's a lot on the line for Democrats, both in the near term and long term. President-elect Joe Biden is set to be in Georgia later today. This is after you mentioned Trump visited uh, earlier this month to campaign for Leffler and Purdue. Uh, Vice President Mike Pence is also going to be heading to Georgia. Being on the ground there, 
at the end of the day, does this feel more like a national race than a state race? Like when it comes down to it, are voters thinking about Georgia issues or is this all about who is going to get control of the Senate? It really is a mix. Um, I I mean, both sides are to some degree talking about Georgia specific issues. And I am fighting to make sure that kids like me, whether they are growing up in public housing down in Savannah, Georgia, or rural disaffected communities in North Georgia, that they have access to the American dream that I believe so much in. I was a job creator right here in Georgia. I'm the only person in this race that knows how to help Georgians. I've created jobs. He's never created a job in his life. But frankly, I spoke with a lot of operatives and and, uh, strategists on both sides of the runoff uh, right when it started in November. And they basically said, why run away from the fact that it's a national election? I mean, the Senate is quite literally on the line uh, in these races. Uh, whichever party has success in these two races will control the chamber. It, it, you know, the stakes don't get much higher than that. And uh, the, the national impact doesn't get much higher than that. And so there's not much they can do to sort of lower the, the nationalization of the race. And so they're, they're leaning into it. We're the only ones left who can stop them. We win Georgia. We save America. I'm David Perdue, and I approve this message. So one thing we've seen so far is the amount of money that's being spent in these two runoffs is, uh, to put it simply, insane. Uh, I, I believe we have now topped $400 million that's going to be spent combined on advertising uh, in the two races, and that's just money that is being spent between the general election and the January 5th runoff. Uh, I think these two races are probably going to be in the top three or four most expensive Senate races of all time. Uh, possibly numbers one and two, and it, it's possible that that will that will be the case without looking at anything that was spent before November third. Wow! <laughs> so I, I I cannot put into emphatic enough words just how much money is being spent on these races, and I think that exemplifies both the stakes and the fact that every facet of both parties is is sort of all in here. And what that means is that Georgia voters are just getting absolutely pummeled with TV ads. Uh, they're getting absolutely pummeled. With, with advertising messages from, from both campaigns, from outside groups. And, uh, you know, I don't expect that to stop. I expect that to go straight through to January 5th. Um, and, you know, when the dust settles, we'll, we'll see. But uh, certainly both of these races are going to be among the, the very, very upper echelon of the most expensive Senate races of all time. James Arkin, thanks so much for talking with me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Also today, the Electoral College has officially voted to make Joe Biden the 46th president of the United States. As part of a constitutionally required procedure, presidential electors gathered in 50 state capitals and Washington, D.C. on Monday to formally elect Biden, cutting off the last long-shot avenue for President Trump's efforts to overturn his defeat. In a speech Monday night following the vote, President-elect Biden said, quote, The integrity of our elections remains intact, and so now it is time to turn the page, to unite, to heal. Now, the only step that remains is on January 6th, when Congress will meet to count and certify the electoral votes. 
And the Federal Trade Commission is probing the data practices of nine social media and video streaming companies. The agency says it's subpoenaing information from companies including Amazon, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok for a study into how companies collect user information to display ads and content, with commissioners saying in a statement, quote, it is alarming that we still know so little about companies that know so much about us. The kind of probe the agency is conducting is separate from the law enforcement investigations the FTC conducts into consumer protection and antitrust concerns, but the agency can use information obtained from the research to open investigations into specific companies. Subscribe to Politico Dispatch wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, check out some of our other shows like Politico Energy, Nerdcast, Pulse Check, Women Rule, and Global Translations. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.